0: My experience as a parent and as a mother, I think, was so uh, fraught with angst and pain and suffering because I needed to fix this. Because of my own discomfort with how he was reflecting on me.
1: So today on Start Here to Connect, the place to learn how to build a strong parental bond even before conception. Inez Natalia here, your host and your sister in the growth journey. In today's episode, we will chat about what I think to be the real paradigm shift in parenting. A massive game changer to all parents who are struggling in their parenting journey. A realization that truly can liberate every parent. And if you're not a parent yet, trust me, you would want to know this much sooner than later. To discuss this juicy topic, I'm very happy to bring on a friend, a fellow sister, and a fellow coach, Rachel Duffy. Rachel is a powerhouse founder of Sagacity Lab she is a mother of three 8-year-old twin boys and 7-year-old daughter and not only she coaches parents she also guides business leaders to live in a more conscious way so hello Rachel so good to have you here
0: thank you so much for having me i'm so excited to talk to you today
1: so Rachel When we prepared this episode, you told me about the huge parenting struggle that you used to experience, which led you to the sobering journey, right? Tell me a little bit about this Rachel that I didn't know before, the major parenting struggle that eventually woke you up.
0: So the first parenting struggle that woke me up was when one of my sons was two or three years old. And two and three-year-olds have a hard time regulating their emotions. They have frequent outbursts. But my son had even more frequent and prolonged outbursts than other children. And I could see that he was different from the other kids. And even his preschool teacher called me to tell me that perhaps I should take him for an evaluation um, to see what was going on. And I did. I took him to a million specialists to figure out what was quote unquote wrong with him. And there were many recommendations. And I think what motivated me to do such a thorough job going to all these specialists was the fact that I could not tolerate that something was that he was not behaving according to how I thought he should behave or according to how others thought he should behave. And it was really hard for me to handle that he wasn't like everyone and i really wanted to fix that in a pretty desperate way and it took years before i understood that he was the way he was and i needed to release my fear about what that meant Mm. for him what that meant for his future Because I had all these imaginary worst case scenarios going on in my head that if I didn't fix this now when he's young, then he will grow up to be, he won't have relationships, he won't be happy, he won't be successful, he won't meet his highest potential, and on and on and on and on. So I, I was really motivated to fix it whatever it was, and to fix it at a young age. Yeah.
1: Can you share a little bit, um, what, would, what was the example of the outburst that he had back then?
0: So his feelings were very big. So if he cried about something that any kid would cry about, but another kid would maybe cry for a few minutes and then move on yeah and my kid would not move on mm. and his his crying was very intense and i could see that he was experiencing his feelings on a very deep 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 all consuming level um so if You know, if his muffin fell on the floor and somebody stepped on it, that would make any kid upset. But my kid would go into a tantrum for 20 minutes over this muffin. Wow. And so, you know, in part, we did need to do something in order for the entire family to be able to function uh, because we just didn't have the bandwidth to handle 10. 20 minute tantrums a day. So something did need to change. But on a side, my experience as a parent and as a mother, I think was so uh, fraught with angst and pain and suffering because I needed to fix this because of my own um, discomfort with how he was reflecting on me. Right. How, how was I, I was embarrassed. I felt incompetent. I was ashamed of being embarrassed. And so I had this, you know, emotional turmoil to handle.
1: That's, that's so powerful that you mention the situation that your kid experienced makes you feel, you know, uncomfortable, created some discomfort and you feel ashamed. Because usually, what I hear parents usually said is that they wanted to fix the kid because it's for the kid's, you know, good. Because the kids need this, so that's why I'm doing this for my kid. And it's it's rare and it's very sobering actually to hear that the parent. Really being very aware of this is what I experience internally within me, within myself, I feel ashamed, I feel incompetent, I feel major discomfort in the situation. I think that's very powerful. I do
0: think that I was also telling myself that I'm doing this for him yeah. because that's where the movie comes in, in my head of jumping 20 years into the future and imagining that if I don't do something now, he's going to pay the price the rest of his life.
1: In retrospect, what do you think, what made you believe that this is your responsibility as his mom to quote unquote fix his problem? Because that, is
0: our responsibility as parents, right? We receive these children yeah. and now it's our responsibility to create the best environment possible for this child to reach their highest potential. And if I didn't provide him with support, then I wasn't doing my job as a parent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it's, again, it reflects on me. It's back on me that I didn't do what I could have done. And you know, there is so much literature out there about early intervention and how big of a difference it makes the earlier you intervene in a child's life, um, the, the bigger the shift that the child can experience. And so for me, I was thinking, okay, early intervention is two, three years old is ideal so I was thinking that I have to do it now
1: so you mentioned before that this went on and on for several years right yes do you remember what was actually a moment when you realized that something doesn't really feel right, that something probably finally needs to change right now. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, I think by the time he was five and was really communicating um, in, in depth and could really be reflective and insightful about himself, my fear level went down because I understood okay, he is just, this is who he is. This is how he came into this world. And not only do I not have to fix him, I have to do the exact opposite. I have to understand these traits in him, his ability to feel and express emotions in a very intense way, that is his superpower. So not only do I have to not fix it, I have to encourage it. I have to nurture it. I have to support it. And I have to love him and see him how
1: he is. Yeah. What brought you into that realization? What brought you into a shift perspective? Because that's massive. Like not, not a lot of parents could see the things that other people might perceive as flaws and turn it into a superpower. Like that's not easy for a lot of parents, right? What made the change in you?
0: I think there were various things. One is my own, um, I had to acknowledge where my ego was coming into play in the way I was handling this whole situation. So I had to understand that I wanted him to be like everyone else because I was not like everyone else and I was uncomfortable with that. And even as an adult, I'm uncomfortable with that sometimes. And this is where it was playing out. So he was, his behavior, the fact that he was, um, quote unquote, an outlier was triggering the discomfort in me from when I was an outlier or even when I still am an outlier. So I had to see that he was reflecting back to me things about myself that I don't like or that I haven't embraced fully. And so, you know, I, as I educated myself in the ways of conscious parenting, I, you know, went through stages in my mind. i I went through conversations with myself uh, again and again and again. And every time I realized a little bit more, i I revealed a little bit more of my own childhood wounds that had not been healed. And I understood that that is the work that I needed to do first, before I can even, address anything to do with my kids first I had to heal myself
1: yeah I totally agree with you because I don't have a kid yet but then I do resonate with what you said about how the things around us most of the time just reflections of our own inner wounds Like the things around us, especially the closest people around us, like for me personally, my partner will just be almost like the major trigger in my life. Yeah, for sure. But then eventually, if we can turn it into an invitation that this is an invitation for us to really look deep into the mirror and look into the baggage that we probably have and an invitation for us to heal the wound that's actually a portal for our awakening and a portal for us to heal ourselves. A
0: hundred percent. And, and I think for me, these, these invitations had been extended to me in life over the years, but I didn't take them. Mm. And it wasn't, now when I look back, I see other times in my life where these invitations were there where I could have faced my own shadow I could have healed my own wounds but I didn't want to I wasn't ready I wasn't ready to go deep into that work I was afraid um and it was too much for me to handle and and so I didn't and I think when this started to happen with my son I felt Um, I felt like I could not decline the invitation anymore. Mm. I couldn't decline it anymore. I was, um, it was too painful. Mm. And I think on some level I understood, I knew here it is again, life again presented me with this mirror with this particular reflection in the mirror. Am I going to look away again? And finally I said, no, this time I'm going to look at it.
1: That's so powerful, Rachel, because indeed, I think the reason why parenting journey is such an awakening journey because exactly what you mentioned before, it's too painful to not look at the mirror when it comes to our relationship with our own child. Because with other things, we can probably look away. And in
0: other relationships, not every relationship, but in other relationships, and for me, it was, this is what I did, I walked away. Yeah. I walked away from the relationship, or I walked away from the situation that was triggering me. So I was able um, to, you know, to detour. Yeah. But with a child you can't do that.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's so powerful. And you mentioned before that so even before having this child, you noticed there were some invitation. There there were some invitations along the way, but you also mentioned that you were afraid of something. You were afraid to really look at the mirror. Do you know what were you afraid of? I think
0: this relates back to feelings of unworthiness as a child and fear of not being lovable or not being loved. And that fear carried on into adulthood, and it does for many of us. Even though we are not in the situation we were as children, but the feeling that is evoked is the same feeling, and the fear is the same fear, and the response in our brain is the same response, like when we were children. So my fear was that if I expose this about myself, and if I look closely at this, then I would find out that I'm ordinary. I would find out that um, perhaps others would find out that I'm ordinary and they wouldn't love me. Um, it was really threatening for me to, to look in that mirror and to um, take
1: that risk yeah yeah i I totally resonate with that because initially when when we are becoming aware whenever we feel triggered and we're becoming aware of what are the sensations even in the in the physical level right in our body yeah. like the feeling it really as if I'm back to my childhood memories when indeed what you mentioned before. I'm scared. I'm afraid. What if I'm not lovable? What if these people will leave me? What if I'm not good enough? And, right. and it takes, it takes a very acute and very subtle awareness of what's actually happening within us. And eventually we understand that we are all, you know, children in the adult body that eventually still can get triggered, still can get hurt, and be in pain. right? Because that, that wound was not yet healed.
0: Right, and when we were children, we didn't have the tools, of course, because we weren't, our brains were not developed enough, And we felt helpless. Yeah. And that feeling is imprinted upon us. It's like a tattoo. And when we get triggered as adults, we go right back into that helpless feeling, that helpless mode. And it's a very scary feeling when you're out of control. You can't, you feel like you have no no control over what is happening, you do not want to put yourself in that situation where you're not going to be able to control what happens or how you feel or how someone feels about you.
1: Yeah. And after, after understanding this major realization that eventually um, you first need to deal with yourself and not fixing mm-hmm. the kid, What has been the major difference between Rachel before and who is Rachel right now? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I think
0: um, for starters, I think there's so much more self love and acceptance and peace and confidence. And comfort. I feel comfortable in my own skin. I feel comfortable showing who I really am. I feel comfortable setting firm boundaries. I feel comfortable speaking my truth. I understand all the ways in which I was not speaking my truth before. Again, from fear of not being loved, from fear of being rejected or challenged or being wrong and now i I don't have that fear, and if I'm wrong i'm wrong and i'm I don't have the fear of anybody abandoning me because I am not abandoning myself. That is the real power in awakening and in consciousness that you' um Dependence on other people or external circumstances to make you whole decreases substantially Mm -hmm. because you are the one who is making yourself whole, you are the one who is seeing yourself, you are the one who is filling your own bucket. So it releases other people from doing it and it releases your children it releases your partner if you have them it releases your boss at work your friends so once you release all these people releases your parents once you've released all those people from doing that job and you've taken it upon yourself a it feels good to know okay i can do this for myself and we each need to do this for ourselves but it also i think shifts The dynamic in in all of the relationships because you're not constantly needing from someone else, and, and that changes your energy, the charge you come into every relationship with.
1: Yeah, I feel there's so much power in that. And while listening to you, it really feels like it's like the world is an open space, it feels very liberating. To know that, yeah, I don't need anyone else to fill my void. I have this full power to heal myself, to make myself feel whole, to meet my own needs. And indeed, not putting this burden to our other relationships and especially not putting this burden to our child. Not putting this burden to these little humans and telling them, you need to make mama happy. You need to make mama feel whole. Yes, because
0: that is, and you know, parents do this to their children. My parents did it to me and their parents did it to them. And and I did it to my kids. Mm And we do this, and what we don't really get, I think, is that when we do that, when our child, and and it's not, it doesn't come from a bad place or a malicious place, or uh, none of the none, no parent goes into it wanting to screw up their kid.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But what happens when we? When we lay the conditions, when we lay out the prescription that our child needs to fill in order to make us happy, what we don't realize is our child learns to dim their light and to suppress their truth Mm. because they're afraid that we're not going to love them if they show their truth. Because we gave a list and the things that the child has inside of them are not on this list. And so if the child shows us something that's not on the list, we're not going to love them. So they learn to keep that buried deep. Yeah. And that's what I did. And that's why I couldn't handle when my own child was not meeting the criteria on the list.
1: Yeah. And it's tough because, I mean, it's not even, it's not our parents' fault. It's not yeah and and the very fact and that's why this work of healing ourselves is extremely important because we don't really realize that such toxic patterns have been have been passed over generation over generation over generation so we even cannot really um, investigate where it all started because it's is in all parenting, is in all in the culture. So, as you mentioned before, there's no single parent in this world who wants to put any harm to their kids. So, of course, it all comes from a place of love. But it's yes. so beautiful when you mention that the, the cost of doing this is that we're dimming the light of our children.
0: We don't even realize, and they don't realize either. They don't understand that that's what is happening either, but then they grow up to become adults who don't know how to speak their truth because from a very young age, they've been taught how to suppress it. Yeah. So they don't, so as grownups, we don't know who we really are. We're not really connected with who we are in our essence because we've been practicing for decades how to bury that essence very deep.
1: Yeah, and that's why I think it's also very important for us to remember how it feels to be a child. We are all children and we were once children who also had the moment of truth when we dimmed our own lights when we started to become inauthentic, when we started to just compromise on the yeah. cultural norms. Yeah. And I really feel that if we have the ability to remember how our essence and authenticity being really dimmed down, probably that's actually the portal for us to even understand our child for the way they are. 100%.
0: And, you know, I had my child um, who I've been giving this example of his life, you know, he happens to be super insightful Mm. and he was the one who pointed out to me. He had said, even when he was three years old, he said to me one time when he was having this major tantrum and I was in his room with him on the floor, on the carpet, and I was giving him a big hug trying to help him regulate. And he said to me, I want to stop crying, but I don't know how. And in that moment, I thought, first of all, for a three-year-old to say that, that was super insightful. And it made me stop for a minute in my tracks. Even in that moment, it jolted me to think, ah, I have to... um, I have to see that I have to acknowledge him for who he is I have to see really who this child is and not just slap my agenda on him and just you know try to wrap it up very neatly in a bow so it doesn't so you know this mess doesn't show And as, you know, as I've gone through the process with him and with my other kids, he's always been the one to kind of call me out in mm-hmm. my moments of unconsciousness. He'll, he'll, to this day, I mean, he's eight now, but to this day, he'll say to me, he'll call me out when I'm being unconscious and he'll say to me, you're not, you're not really seeing me right now. Wow.
1: What a sentence for a kid to say. I know, I know. He's my biggest gift. Oh wow, that's amazing! Yeah. Wow, imagine if we, as kids, was able to say that. Exactly.
0: you even see- as a grown up. I can hardly say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's super powerful, and that's true. That's true. That, yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, isn't it like literally our deepest feeling as a kid when we really just didn't feel seen? for who it is we are truly.
0: Right. But I, I mean, I remember not feeling seen, but I don't remember that I could have articulated
1: that. Exactly. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't understand. It's just, no, it doesn't feel good. It didn't feel good. Definitely. We just, we didn't understand what's wrong.
0: Right. And I think that in part, I, I I think this is a a side benefit of me doing this work that I speak this language Mm. of consciousness. And I do talk about these things, about the importance of being seen, the importance of being loved for who you are, um, the importance of being valued. And I tell my kids in a very explicit way that you know, that they, that they're important and that they matter and that I see them. So I think that helps in the sense that when I don't see them, they're at least able to call me on it or just, they have the language
1: yeah. also. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I found it very incredible how, I mean, our whole conversation in the beginning revolves around the parent and the child, but eventually it expanded into, this is my own growth process. This is my own healing journey. So eventually, yes, it seems like we have the prize that we want in front of our eyes, which is a better and well-connected relationship between the parent and the child, but initially it's the whole journey of healing ourselves. Right. Parenting
0: is about you, yeah. the parents. Yeah. It's the parent who needs to be parented. So the child is the instigator and it's the quote unquote excuse. Mm-hmm. But it but the parent is the one who needs to be parented. And we need to learn how to parent ourselves, how to reparent ourselves, because our parents have already finished their job yeah, and we are now grown up. So there's nobody else to do it. You have to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I tell you, it's, um, it's a continuous process because of uh, like we, like I told you um, earlier, my, I still had this, I still tried to fix my kid even after I had already been Deep into conscious parenting, I still tried to do it, yeah it's an with, endless, with my daughter,
1: yeah, it's an endless process yeah tell tell me more about that, so then it's a different kid, the different kid a different kid,
0: right, so she is um, one year younger mm-hmm. than my twin boys, thirteen months younger, so they're very, very close in age, and yet thirteen months is enough of a gap that they can at that time they could do much more than she could mm. they could do more reading they could do more math there there was there was always they were always a little bit ahead as older siblings are always a little bit ahead just enough to make the younger sibling constantly feel less than and i saw her as this amazing beautiful smart talented little girl and it really it really pained me to see her not feeling that about herself it pained me that she was less than in her own mind Mm. because I saw her as I mean she was there she lacked nothing and so I went I took her to um, a family therapist and, you know, when you go to uh, family therapy or um, traditional parenting coaching, the focus is on the child. The focus is on fixing the child. Yeah. And I came with a child who needed to be fixed. She needed her self confidence to be fixed. Because, again, I was in my mind going forward 20 years, now she's going to be, you know, she's going to have no self confidence and she's going to end up like all these other people in the family that i was envisioning her to be like who had so much potential but because they lacked self-confidence they you know ended up with a life of pain and suffering and unhappiness and i was projecting that onto my kid and the fear it was the fear that you know if i don't fix this now when it's still early, then I will not have done my job as a parent. And of course I have to be the best parent that I can be. So after about two or three sessions, I caught myself Mm -hmm. that what I was doing was, I was not standing in my light. I was not shining my light. And so when she wasn't, it triggered me because I couldn't tolerate that in myself. So I quit the family therapy. I stopped talking to her about all the ways in which she was amazing. And I went back to work on my own worthiness. And I went back to working on why am I not standing in my own light? And why am I not speaking my truth? And I went through this, process which took you know I don't know six or eight months where I felt much more comfortable in my own light I was again I was back in my uh my own power yeah and I think doing that and taking that step back now I look at her she's totally standing in her light so did anything change in that time or was it just me that changed? was it my perspective? was it my shift? did my shift did she feel my change? you know so that it's another example of how this was not about her
1: yeah, it was about me it's it's very beautiful and like if there is one thing that I hope parents could understand is that when we feel that the job of parents is to fix the kid, then we feel that there's a huge burden on our our shoulder to fix and shape this kid to a certain way. While actually when we focus on ourselves, when we focus on healing and fixing ourselves first, I mean, there's no guarantee, but I think nine out of 10, the dynamics between parent and child relationship it's getting much, much better as well. But it's beautiful when you mention that the moment when you realize that you need to own your lights and you you really regain your worth, you stop seeing the lack in the kid. Yes. yes.
0: and you know, to your point about uh, there's no guarantee and there's um, there's no shortcut. You have to trust your child your child will go on their own path of consciousness they will they will be on their own trajectory and you cannot affect that trajectory Mm -hmm. so you have to trust they will do their work just like you you have to do your work they have their own path and you can't you can't shortcut it for them nor would you want to why Mm -hmm. would you want to shortcut it for them because This is how they are going to evolve. And this is how they are going to awaken. Don't rob them of that process. We all have to go through that process to some degree. I don't want to rob my children of that process and really the only thing I can control, because I cannot control their process anyway. So the only thing I can control is my own process. Totally, yes.
1: Yeah, it's so powerful when you say, I don't want to rob this process from my children, because it's, it's a privilege to yeah. experience the whole journey. That's that's so beautiful. Well, to wrap this conversation I always ask this one question to all of my guests. So what do you wish you know you would have known before having a child? What do you wish someone has told you before you having a child?
0: Oh, that's a good one. Um, You know, I think I did not fully understand how this was going to be my biggest vehicle for self-growth and self-development. I didn't think that being a parent had anything to do with self growth and self development. I thought it was all about the doing. I had this idea of how I was going to be the perfect parent because I am very organized and I'm very capable and I I felt I can do this. I can be the perfect parent and my children are going to grow up to be you know amazing one's going to get a Nobel prize and the other one's going to be an Olympic athlete. And I, I, I already had the prescription, but what I didn't know was that this experience of motherhood was going to propel me into the next dimension of my own evolution that I had, I was not prepared for. And so I think if you go into it with your eyes open in that regard and then you are also more open to the lessons that will come to you because having a child cracks your heart open. And, and it's like, uh, people I've heard this, um, that people often say having a child is like wearing your heart on the outside Mm -hmm. because you become so vulnerable. And it, it really is true. You do become vulnerable. Because you're afraid to lose them and you're afraid something bad will happen to them. But the real strength in that vulnerability is to take that and and reverse it back into, into yourself, into your own understanding of who you really are, into your own connection and bond with your true essence that has been forgotten long ago. And to, to bring that child back and to love and connect with that part of yourself. I think that I, I had no idea that that was coming.
1: Well, there you go. Future parents. <laughs> what already? Yeah. Oh, wow. This has been such a very insightful conversation, Rachel. There's so much wisdom come out of your mouth. Seriously, I'm very grateful for your story, for your generosity to just share your most intimate story with a lot of other people here.
0: (laughs) Well, I just, I want to say thank you to you for having me. I'm so honored to do this with you and to have these conversations. And I think we need to have more conversations about about this yeah yeah that's so true
1: so friend i think this is an ultimate paradigm shift that i really hope parents in the world will understand how parenting is not at all about producing then shaping and fixing the kid and unconsciously dumping our emotional baggage to the kid but it's first and foremost the parents need to be brave to take a look at the mirror, take real deep look within how we can take on the invitation to heal, to grow up, and only in that way we can be the best parents for our children. Thank you for tuning in today, friend. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you like it, don't forget to share this with your family and friends. Also, feel free to request a particular topic or drop me a question via email or on Instagram at Inez Natalia. And let's connect again soon in the next episode.
0: You know, Inez, if I had 10% of the understanding you have before I was a parent, oh my God.